Greetings and welcome back to another Arsenio ZSL podcast. Oh my god, I got the most wonderful woman on the planet in front of me. I am so grateful again to bring Isabel. This could be her second time on my ESL podcast. I brought her on earlier in March and I brought her on the other podcast that I have with my sidekick, Luke Burrows, motivational mentors. Nonetheless, she is here. Self-sabotage series. And this is in video form, of course, on YouTube. So if you want to see her beautiful face, you can. And nonetheless, Isabel, man, thank you so much for coming on. Just to say that up front, I'm married. We're not dating. It's okay. We're, dating, We're all good. good. We're all good. Here. We're all good. It's, it's so crazy. It's being our We're good. <laughs> it's just me being me. You guys know how that is. So, Isabel. I love it. Well, I, thank you so much. Maybe I blushed. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Great um, intro. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is it? Yeah, so it, it's funny because, man. This podcast has transformed the last six months. There are a lot of new people listening to this podcast who weren't listening to this podcast six months ago. So, Isabel, another introduction would work very well for the people out there. Yes, certainly, because you always want to grow, right? And so always have new people. Um, okay, so for those who do not know me, my name is Isabel Hunt. I'm originally from Germany, and I moved to the U.S. 11 years ago by now. Uh, time flies. Jeez. Um, I am known as the leader's heart decoder for specific reasons. Maybe we're going to get into that later. Um, unless you guys want to listen to some other episodes that we have recorded, okay. there we talk about it. Yeah. Um, but I'm also the founder of the ICU movement, uh, which is focused on shattering cultural uh, barriers and engaging in cultural transformation globally, especially through emotional awareness or awareness in general, I guess. Um, I'm also a speaker. I love speaking, as people will probably be able to tell <laughs> with the interview. I'm a sociologist, so that is definitely my degree and my background. I'm also a certified transformation coach who, um, on, in, on an individual basis, works with highly sensitive visionaries that I call empath warriors. So if anyone is more interested. Um, oh, yeah. And I also have a book called The Power of Faith-Driven Success. And I'm a two-time best-selling Amazon co-author, stuff like that. I think that's about it. <laughs> uh, is the voting still happening with the book? No, that one is over. Oh, I didn't make it. So, I, man, I was hoping that I could hurry up and post that on here and say, guys, go vote. Anyways, so, yeah, let me know what the results are with that. And, man, I'm telling you, every time Isabel and I, we get together, man, we create magic. I'm not talking about that magic. Talk about magic in terms of tapping into the deep parts of people's <laughs> souls. You know what I mean? And so when it comes to self-sabotage, Isabel, give us a formal introduction into this. Oh, self-sabotage. Um, <clears throat> okay. Um, in a very short, to summarize it, self-sabotage is a lack of self-awareness. Um, usually, you know it. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to tell you how that works for me. Um, when I wasn't in this kind of work, when I didn't have all the awareness that I have now, really being able to go deep and taking a look at oh, what is my story, what is my belief system and the patterns that I've created, 
when I did that, um, or when I didn't have that and I sabotaged myself, it was literally like, um, building a wall in front of me. I didn't have that awareness. I didn't know what was coming up for me. I was just the victim of my circumstances. When we self-sabotage, we become the victim of our circumstances, our outside circumstances, right? Um, so I've done that a lot. I had so many excuses for not doing specific things that I knew I was called to do or that I wanted to do that I created all kinds of stories. Um, I don't know, do you want me to already go in, in the storytelling? Because I do have a story that I want to tell. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So it was, I was about 15 years old and growing up in Germany, going to school in Germany, of course, uh, we did learn some English, but I really didn't like it. We had the British English and mm, I'm not necessarily a language person. <laughs> I actually like to listen to it. I have to say, I really <laughs> English then. It's kind of soothing a little bit, but um, anyways, that's not the story. Um, I, I'm not really a language person. Um, at least that's what I believe about myself. Um, I need to live a language to really be able to learn it. It's really hard for me just from listening or just reading a book or anything to, to feel it. I need to feel things for me to be able to really implement them. That's why when I came to the U.S. when I was 18 for the, for the first time for an exchange year, within a year, I was fluent in English, almost lost all of my accent after a year because I was able to live it, to feel it, to just have it with me, you know, it was tangible. But when I was 15, I had this really great English class. Love my teacher. Oh, I, no, I actually didn't like her. <laughs> not yeah, because of she was, because she always challenged me uh -huh. she always was you can do this isabel and i know you can well i already back then created language as an excuse to sabotage myself so there was this one day i was supposed to do a um a presentation in front of the class uh, about australia which was very interesting so i was supposed to do that about australia and I was so freaking nervous when I first came in the, in the class in the morning, I knew I was prepared. I knew I had the notes. I had really great PowerPoint and everything that I needed. Right. Well, no, back then there was no PowerPoint. We, we still had the projectors mm -hmm. that just tells my age, <laughs> like the ones where you put it on the, like you have this huge machine. overhead, overhead projector. Yeah, 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 yeah. The overhead projector with the little marquee, the little Sharpie. Yeah, yeah. With the plastic, with the with the foil, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't have that anymore, did they? I mean, <laughs> that was embarrassing. Man. Oh, <laughs> it was good because you had to read everything backwards. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, but I I went into the class and I started to panic. Literally, I started to panic, and I was like, I went to her. I was waiting for her outside. And I went to her and I said, please, 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 can I just postpone my, um, my presentation? I'm not ready. I really want this to be good. Um, and she's like, no, you can't. If you want to postpone that, I know you can do it now. But if you want to postpone that, then I have to give you a bad grade. I'm like, no, I can't do that because then I fail. And it was like the, the last two years of um, high school. So I needed that grade to be rather good because... I wasn't really that great in other tests, right? <laughs> and um, so she made me do it. She said, I'll give you five minutes to prepare. And I just had this story. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And um, 
And she said, you will. And I started bawling in front of the entire class. Literally, I was crying. I was like, I can't do this. I'm not going to do that. I was, oh, and it was so embarrassing. You could see like some of the, the kids in the class were like whispering, like, oh my gosh, what's happening? But at our school, we had really small classes. So I think there were only 15 people in the class. So it was very intimate. So people knew each other. So it wasn't as bad than in a hundred people class, but um, it was enough. It was very embarrassing. And, um, it just really got so ingrained into myself. Like there were people looking at me, others were laughing, but then there were also others who said, Hey, what can we help you with so that you can do your presentation? I, oh my gosh, I used every single excuse that I could think of not to have to do this presentation to the point where I said, Oh, I forgot my stuff at home. And my lead teacher was like, yeah, why is this then right here? Like, why are we, like, why? I'm like, oh, man. And um, I just literally fear just took over, but not in a positive way, in a very self-sabotaging way. I kept telling myself I can't do it. I'm not good enough. I'm, I can't do it. I did actually finish the presentation, and it wasn't bad. I had a, a, a B I think it would be equivalent for what I have. Um, I, I got a two. That's equivalent to B. Um, and so that wasn't bad at all for me at all. But that really created a trauma. That created something inside of me that got stuck. So every time I had to speak in front of a class, even though I meant to, even though I love speaking in front of a class, I always used it as an excuse. I can't do it. I'm not good enough. Um, and I found all kinds of excuses why this is valid, why, why my belief is valid, why I can confirm my beliefs. Like when we self-sabotage, we tend to try to find everything that would confirm what we believe, the beliefs that is stuck in our brain, right? In our subconscious. And, um, in college, actually, I took a lot of English classes because once I was here for an exchange year, I went back and went to college and I chose for a reason English classes. But at the same time, if there was a subject that I didn't want to talk about or where I thought that, oh, I don't have anything to say about that, I didn't say anything and I just used the excuse of, oh, I don't understand that. <sighs> Um, like if it was in English in particular, or when I came back to the U.S. and I took some classes here at college, I took French and Spanish and some other communication classes um, that was part of the program um, that I was here with. Every time I just, every time I was supposed to do something that would have shown me, or I had to just respond to a question, a simple question, I always just use that excuse. Oh, I, I don't understand what you're talking about. I don't know what you mean. That was my standard sentence. I don't know what you mean. So I used my language barrier as a tool to self-sabotage. And I, at some point, did that very, very well to where, uh, where it pushed me into a situation where it just uh, withdrew every time um, someone put the spotlight on me. And I've done that until probably about 10 years ago um, but no, actually, probably not that, probably like eight years ago, because 10 years ago, I started with networking events. Like that's when I was here and was married and 
um, all that was figured out how I can stay here, right? But then I started my own business and I went to networking events and I was so freaking scared to even put me out, out there and talk to people. I didn't know my elevator pitch and all that fun stuff, right? So I just pretended, uh, well, English is not my first language, so I don't know. I use that. I use that every time. Every time I said something that people didn't quite understand, or I said something that was more controversial, my excuse was, "Well, English is my first language," even though I knew exactly what I was saying. But um, that is what you do when you self-sabotage. You you pick something, and often it's it's various things in your life that you use as an excuse that you keep pushing in front of you pushing in front of you and the more you add to that why you think you can't do certain things the harder it becomes to move forward and and then people get stuck real fast real fast i don't even want to know how many opportunities i missed because of that belief or because of that excuse that i almost consciously used I just didn't understand the subconscious pattern behind it. Um, but I used it um, on purpose because I just didn't want to, I didn't want to feel the criticism from others. I didn't want to be made wrong. I didn't want to, I didn't want to um, say something that would be considered controversial and then get, you know, the, the hammer smashed at your head for saying something stupid. Um, so instead of, risking something and taking some risk and just saying, oh, here I am, um, this is who I am, or just saying, oh, yeah, oh, sorry, I think I just misused the word a little bit, but the content I pretty much meant, <laughs> um, no, it was more about me looking good. And for me to be able to look good, I had to use every excuse. But like I said, it is self-sabotage and it kept me where I felt the most comfortable all the time. So language was a good excuse for me. It's perfect. And I'm not, I'm pretty certain it's not just me. It's probably a lot of people who start living in a new country and then have to do things that are out of their, out of their comfort zone. And then people are like, yeah, I want you to do this. And can you please do this? And the first reaction is, no, no, that's not my first language. I don't think I can do that. Even though you know you can, it's just the actual task that might be a little bit challenging to you. It's not the language that challenges you, just the task, but it's a great excuse. It's valid. It's something people believe, so you'd use it. Oh right? my God, it's a fallback. It's a net. It's always saying, you know what? Even if I fail, I'm gonna use it as an excuse that it's not my first language. You know, yeah. I think another way that people sabotage themselves out of creating relationships is always sticking to the norm. So what I, I had a conversation last night and I had a variety of different people in the class. And, you know, the, it came up that, you know, there's a Chinatown, there's a Koreatown uh, out here in Bangkok. And it, Bangkok is so similar <clears throat> to what Los Angeles is. You have the African-Americans over here in one place. You have the Koreans living over here. You have the Filipinos over here. You have the Chinese over here. They're always segregated and living amongst each other. And I do believe that in some sense that if you go to another country, and I tell my students this, most Thai students, they love to go to Melbourne, but Melbourne, there are too many Thai people there. They have a tendency of always falling back and following that normality, you know, going to the Thai restaurants and meeting the Thai people and not learning the language. Why? Because they 
pay. It could be sabotage. It could be fear. It could be fear-based, whatever it might be. So, Isabel, for those language people who are just terrified, I'm talking terrified of, of talking to someone else. I don't know what they've conjured up in their mind. I don't care what continent you're from. Some people would always say, oh, but it's primarily Asians. I don't want to hear that. It's you, okay? And you're scared. Yes. What are some things? Because you went from Germany, okay, to America, yes. all right? Significantly, all right? And so what are some things that you would encourage them to do? And what were some things that you did? Well, um, the first thing is to actually understand why you're doing it. What is the initial payoff for using a specific tool to, to self-sabotage, right? And most of the time it's about perfectionism, not being good enough or looking bad in the eyes of other people. We want to appear a certain way. We don't want to disappoint other people. Um, but we also want to appear smart. So if we don't know the language and we can't quite communicate in the way we would in our natural language, then um, we don't appear as intelligent. It's actually interesting. I have a German client. She was supposed to do a, she was supposed to write a, a paper in her English class. Um, it was about communication in different languages. It was very interesting. Uh, it was about a Chinese mother who moved to the U.S. and she was super intelligent. She read like all the high, um, how would you say, that? the high knowledge magazines. Like she really just drew it on, but she never was able to communicate it. And just because of her accent, people questioned her every time she said something. And because of that, she made her daughter always call for her, always do things for her so she didn't have to do it. And it was very interesting because my client was born in Russia, but she moved to Germany at, in, at the age of three months or something. So she doesn't really, she doesn't speak Russian at all. She is German. And um, she said, interestingly enough, when I tell people that I was born in Russia, she was born like, 30 minutes from China or something, <laughs> somewhere out there. Um, she, uh, people suddenly question, like, well, you, you um, roll the R a different way, or they question just what you said, or do you really mean it? And I have the same experience. So often when you realize that people come at you for speaking a different language because then they start to question you, they start to speak slower. Have you had that before? Like I'm not, I'm not deaf right. or louder. That's the funny thing when people suddenly start speaking louder. I'm like, I'm not deaf. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> but it was interesting how her mom self-sabotaged her entire life, never getting a career because people were making fun of her accent, assuming that she is less intelligent. And how many of us experience that similar, even if it's, not spoken out loud, maybe if it's subconsciously, people just think that in, or you just notice it through their actions, like speaking louder, speaking slower, asking you weird questions, like, oh my God, I just said that. Didn't you get that? Like, no, I meant what I said. <laughs> I'm German. We quite direct and honest, straightforward. So if you didn't like it, that's not me and my language skills. <laughs> You're not wanting to hear it. <laughs> subconsciously you still use that 
Like you're, you're thinking about it. It stays with you. People don't think you're smart enough if I don't use the words the right way. And I, it, who doesn't want to appear smart and intelligent? So instead, we use language as, a, as an excuse to not even say anything and just push other people in front of it. Like, hey, can you do that for me? Um, instead of wiggling your way through and figuring it out eventually. But that would mean we could potentially embarrass ourselves. So most stories when it comes to self-sabotage go all the way back to um, your self-image. How do I want to appear to people? How do I want to show up? What do I want people to see when I show up? And if there is a specific picture of my own expectations of myself, that is, that is a combination of expectations from your family growing up, from your society growing up, um, that shapes your own expectations on you, well, you try to measure up to that. And if you alone feel like you're not measuring up to, that, to, that, to those expectations, well, you go really fast to an excuse why you can't do it so you do not destroy the picture that you have of yourself and that you want others to see of you. Most of the time, you even sound more intelligent when you don't say a thing, when you just not. Yeah. It's, it, it's weird because people respond that way. It's, it's like when you don't say anything, people feel like, oh, she's smart. She's like agreeing with me. And people always love to, to have people in front of them that agree with them on whatever BS they talk about. Yeah. Um, so that's what we do to get the self-esteem up a little bit because subconsciously or in our mind, we go through the story. Oh yeah, I can't respond to it because if I don't sound smart enough or if I can't really bring a counter um, argument, then they think I'm stupid and that doesn't, isn't in alignment with my expectation of myself. So it does go back to self-image. We don't want to look stupid. We don't want to look awkward. We don't want to look a certain way that makes us less than, that we perceive as less than. Does that make sense? <sighs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if I've ever had a problem with that. I mean, living here in Thailand, I did sabotage myself by being around only foreigners for the first five months. And I'm like, well, I had the opportunity to live around foreigners, also known as Westerners, uh, while I was in Australia and America for about uh, 24 years of my life. I think I should not be hanging around with foreigners. Yeah, but again, it was always a fallback because I'm like, well, I don't know the culture too much. I'm not going to ease into it. I'm literally going to tiptoe into it. But then I realized not knowing the language and living on the outskirts of, you know, in different provinces, it was ruthless because a lot of taking advantage of, a lot of, you know, the laughing at you, different than this and that, a lot of different things, right? So I said, okay, you know what, what I'm gonna do here is I'm gonna start learning little by little how to order, okay, how to give directions and this and that. And you know what? I probably sabotaged <laughs> myself out of probably thousands of bot because I didn't learn, I, I didn't learn how to say, go straight, don't buy, or leo quad, turn right, or leo side, turn left. And mm -hmm. the taxis ended up taking advantage of me. So I kind of, it all came back. And it wasn't about my own self-image. Um, but it was just about maybe my pride, you know? Well, I guess that is, that's all and around self-image. That self -image. is, yeah. right? Yeah, that yeah. is self-image, yeah. So, yeah. oh, man. So, and speaking of which, there's a lady that I actually teach. And she is the husband of a guy that runs, like, the number one tech company here in Thailand. Mm -hmm. And she says every time they go to America or a country, her children go to international school. So they speak perfect English. Her husband is perfect English, but mm -hmm. her 
Anytime someone asks her a question, she tells her children. If you were saying that, tell someone to speak before. She's like, hey, go speak to them, speak to them. what they say, what they say? You know what I mean? So for someone I mean, who's that- Validation, yeah. you know, when, when someone really doesn't understand what they're saying, where you can say, hey, can you translate that for me? But often we do it in like this kind of like, do it, do it, do it, do it. I, I don't know what they're saying. Right. Um, I mean, in, in those little, like, especially when you visit another country, it's understandable, right? I don't think there's much self-sabotage behind that. But if you start living in another country and you keep using that excuse, then it becomes self-sabotage. I think in the U.S. we see that a lot. And honestly, since I'm an immigrant, I can probably say that without getting the hammer on my hand. <laughs> but I think you do decide to live in another country for whatever reason, if it's for asylum, if it's for, well, because asylum is about feeling safe. If you come to a country because you want to feel more safe or because you want to make a better life of yourself, I really believe that one should learn at least the basic of the language. The separation makes it even harder. So I think a lot of um, foreigners deal with self-sabotage day in and day out, but they become so comfortable with it that they just become content with where they're at. If I have to pick strawberries all day because I, uh, I feel awkward about speaking the language or because whatever story there is really, that everyone's story could look totally different, then I'm just being content with doing strawberry picking instead of furthering myself because I actually know I'm an intelligent person and I could actually reach something. But if I do something wrong, that I'm just going to buy into their reputation that they put on us. Um, so we're the, the mean, the bad Latino community, like just as an excuse, just from the overall conversations here in this country right now. Right. Um, uh, so th there is so much. And I think if we just, um, especially we're, we're only talking about language right now, right? We're not, I mean, there's so much else going on sometimes behind that. And why are we using that? But if we were to just move forward, like straight forward and say, you know, I know this is not my first language, but I really want to learn. So if I make this mistakes, that is okay. It doesn't say anything about me. And you just try. I think we would have a way higher level of integration within our society here nationally. And then all those separation, like same what you said in Thailand, if we were to shift our mindset of perfection and self-image and what that says about us not being able to speak that language or being wrong, oh my gosh, that's, that's like a universal thing, right? We can't be wrong. If we're wrong, then that's, that's bad. Then people perceive the wrong picture about us and we don't want that. So we'd rather just use an excuse to not to get into those situations. We all do it doesn't matter where you're from, what your education level is. We all do it to some extent. And some are more outgoing. Like I can see you, even though you know you probably sabotaged yourself a couple of times, but you're, you're also like someone is like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> right. I'll just do it. Just give me that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you're just outgoing. And, and so for you, that might be a different level of sabotage, but the thing is, too, with you being so outgoing and your ability to communicate and to connect with people, you know you are you are so you have things ahead of you that are way bigger than what you're doing right now. 
Mm. Like that is what is challenging you. And that is where you might sabotage yourself because you have this ability to connect and communicate on such an easy level. It's like, for you, it's natural. I mean, look at where your podcast went within just the last six months. It's crazy. It's because that's what, that's who you are. That's how you show up. So, but you'll see once you hit that plateau and you know, oh no, I'm supposed to go even further than that. That's probably where you might use the language barrier as a sabotage tool. (laughs) (laughs) Where you suddenly just get into your toolbox, like, let me find something. Oh yeah, I used that 10 years ago last time. Let me get that out. I've done it. Right. <laughs> it's like you know what Eric Thomas I love him so much because he speaks my language and so Eric Thomas I love it because his self-image to his audience is everything so if he comes in wearing a suit a lot of people automatically assume okay we're not relatable well you know we can't relate to you because you're wearing this and this is not what we wear And so he says for him not to sabotage himself and different things, he just goes out there relaxed. He wears the hat, he wears the the shoes, the J's, whatever he calls that stuff and whatnot. But, you know, he has to also uh, acclimate. He has to get used to different environments too because there are times that Warren Buffett invites him to speak at big things. Uh And, you know, he has to wear a shirt and he has to fit the role and this and that. Do you think that, do you think people, you know, in general, you know, they have to conform to different environments in order to be accepted? And if they do, I mean, how can they go about doing that while still keeping that self-image that they have of themselves? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm not sure if that has has a lot to do with self-sabotage in that sense, but um, but it has to do with self-image. So, um, ha, that's a good question. <sighs> On the one hand, it's great to, to be yourself and to really, um, stand for that. Mm-hmm. I've seen people who literally go to any kind of banquet with holes in their jeans on stage because that's who they are. Right, right. But they also stand out. So that's really like people remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my style in general is is more fitting in like what other people wear too. So I don't even really worry about it, but yeah, that's a tricky question because that, that depends on the person, if they're comfortable or if there is a requirement, if you want to speak here and you want to get paid, then you have to wear certain things. So sometimes with a contract, there come requirements, especially as a speaker. And sometimes you're being told that like, if you want to speak, it's business casual. You can't just come here with your, ripped jeans um, where you can't get paid. So it's literally about, well, and I just wear a suit for once and just get paid as long as I can get my message across and they don't cut my message down. That's water it down. That's what happens a lot too, where speakers are being told what they can say and can't say. I can and can't say. So it's, um, it's, it's a tricky thing. It really depends on your situation. Like with, with Eric Thomas, it's really about probably what his contract is saying, what he is supposed to do. I don't think he necessarily chooses that. It's just what he makes for a living. <laughs> right. It's like actors. If you want to play 
an elf, you would need to wear an elf costume. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so in that sense, um, but then there are other people who always try to fit in. If you always try to fit in, in all kinds of situations, um, then it's about protecting yourself. Then it's about not, not getting the attention from other pe people. Then it's again about perfectionism, self-image. Um, so someone who realizes if they go through their closet and see a whole bunch of different style of clothes. Um, so when they, when they hang out at home, they just are like this, this crazy person with all kinds of colors in their hair and um, colorful clothes and just like kind of spunky, you know, it just uh -huh. feels good on them. Yeah. But then suddenly when they go outside, they're wearing all this like, um, yeah, a, a blouse or a dress or whatever, and they don't have really feel comfortable and it's not in their contract either. Then you probably know that you're self sabotaging yourself in the way you want other people to see you and to perceive you. It's the safe way to exist. Uh, so like I said, self sabotage is about awareness. And if you're aware of where in your life, are you doing certain things to not show up completely? And, when we talk about, let me just stretch that real quick. When we talk about showing up as yourself and we talk about authenticity, that does not mean that your authentic self is an asshole. Oh. Don't come at me and tell me I'm just speaking my truth. Like, bullshit you are. You're some, not some telling people me said that truth. before. Right. <laughs> it sounds like some people have come up to you and said that before, right? Oh, it, it happens everywhere. Just oh, yeah, look online, everywhere. Oh, Everyone, gosh, people yeah. like totally start to offend other people or yeah. just being really nasty. I'm like, I'm just speaking my truth. You only speak your truth. And I, as I wrote that article about it. Um, what is, what is your true self or something? I forgot the exact title, mm -hmm. um, but it's one of my later, my latest ones. If anyone wants to check it out, it's on medium.com slash at Isabel Hunt. So it's easy to find. Um, where I talk about your true self, your authentic self, you speaking the truth always comes from a place of love and acceptance, not judgment. This is not coming from your authentic self. That is not speaking your truth when you just state your opinion. If you state your opinion, you might want to say that. That's not your truth. That's just your opinion. That's not the truth. So people get confused with that. Even when they start cussing people out, it's just, it's just <laughs> I love you can't deal with it. Then, yeah. oh, then just leave me alone. I'm like, no, there are specific meanings behind words. Even if you just go online and you have the, the whole time you throw an F-bomb, it, it drags um, the energy level right. of, of what you're trying to actually say because we know that the F-bomb is not always something positive. Most of the time it's not. I mean, I don't mind a well-placed when I, as you can tell, I say shit to, <laughs> to say right. it in German because in German it's really not a bad word. How do you say, say. How do you say it in German? Scheiße. Scheiße. Uh, okay, scheiße, scheiße. Oh, I don't want to say that too much. Sorry, my German folks who listen to me. <laughs> but, you know, um, it, it's not your true self. So, like I said, if you want to, not necessarily at least, um, if you really want to just show up and just show like, hey, I love color and I love having my hair wild and crazy and I want to express myself this way. Um, but if you start to change all of that, 
um, then it's a lack of awareness. Why am I wearing other things? What does it say about me? What do I think it says about me if I show up another way? There's this judgment that you put on yourself. And when you start judging your own in comparison to what you think society is expecting from you, that is also self-sabotage where you do that. Um, after 10 years of doing this self-awareness every single day, every minute of the day, I mean, I already wake up and then ask myself, like if I wake up and I, I'm in a weird mood, I'm like, okay, what's happening in my body? Where do I feel it? What are the stories that I'm telling myself? What do I have to shift to actually have a better experience of today? Or do I just need to stay in it just for a while and just give myself permission and grace to just experience and go through this and feel this? That is my level of awareness every single day. And then I have days where it's almost like I'm sitting next to myself. I'm like, Isabel, do you realize you're sabotaging yourself? Yeah. And I love it. Just let me, I'm choosing this right now. <laughs> like you choose, come and you have this level of awareness. You consciously choose to do it. Well, yeah, I want to do this right now because it feels good. And I don't want to do this other thing. So just leave me alone for today. <laughs> Eventually, you need to snap out so that it doesn't become a new print, uh, imprint in your brain and the new pathway that you have created. Mm. Um, you have to understand um, what would be the other thing that I know I should be doing right now if I were not to sabotage myself um, and then maybe do that the next day or the day after. So there are just some things that we have to become aware of, but it is all about self-awareness. And most people lack that because it means that you actually have to take a, a look inside and you have to be still. You have to become still in the fast paced society, world society. It is very difficult when you always have in mind that you need to keep up, that you need to hustle, that you need to do, do, do to show and prove success, especially when it comes to entrepreneurship. Um, it's just, uh, I have also like going back to that, I already have used language barriers as an excuse, uh, to not be where I wanted to be a uh, success, like money wise in, in my business. Well, I have it harder than you because English is not my first language. It's easier for you. Newman. You speak perfectly. You, know, I mean, you speak probably much better than, my, you know, because sometimes I mess up on my grammar, but that's just but, who I am, you know, but you, you're you solid as hell. Well, don't tell me that. Now I can't use that excuse anymore. <laughs> you know, Boom, some awareness for you, you know? <laughs> oh, no, I'm very much aware, but I've used it too. Like, especially when I get really grumpy about things or just really judgmental when people post about their um, awesome successes and I had my six-figure month. And it's like with the, I do a lot of spiritual work, right? And um, what my impression has become is that there are a lot of like spiritual gurus out there it's almost like um, if you don't make a certain amount of money, you're not spiritual enough. You haven't quite understood the law of attraction yet. <laughs> so better get to work. But, um, um, and so when, when that shows up, especially in the online world, I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, uh, English isn't my first language, so I, it, it takes a little longer than what it does for you because for you comes natural, you can create. I have to send it over to my editor first because, well, it really doesn't sound so great sometimes. Um, or like, you know, I'm using words that maybe would sound a little better if I were to use different words. I don't know. So I can use that as an excuse, right? 
Don't tell me otherwise. Keep me there. <laughs> Just let me have this. <laughs> right. And, uh, it's, it's an awareness that I have and I know when this shows up, especially when I, again, when my self-image when I don't believe about myself that where I'm at is good enough, that's where I'm at is perfect for my own soul's journey. This is exactly what I'm supposed to be. When I have a, a distorted self-image of where I should be, that's when the sabotage comes in, where I use all kinds of excuses, why I can't move forward faster, why I can't reach out to those people. Sometimes it's even... Things like, oh yeah, I can't send them an email yet and ask if they need speakers because I don't have the speech yet and what I have right now is probably not good enough. I need to send it over to my editor, blah, 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 blah. I haven't done that in quite a while because like you said, my English is pretty okay uh, and I can communicate quite clearly what I want to speak on and what I want to talk about. But when I started out, I did that a lot. And again, it goes back to self-image. I didn't want to look like an asshole. I didn't want to look like the not successful entrepreneur, mm. business owner, because if that shows up, then I don't have any clients. And, oh, that goes down the rabbit hole real fast. <laughs> right, right. That's, you know, I told you about my self-image and whatnot. And now, you know, I'm so much more at peace with myself because I'm no longer entertaining those thoughts that come into my mind, you know, in regards to, you know, the same things that we all talked about for such a long time, you know, so, um, you know, I need totally to understand every time we have an interview, I saying you, it's literally like sending me emails until we have the next interview. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, I just um, noticed this about myself, and I noticed that about myself. Oh my gosh, this part just came up. And it's so funny. It's awesome. And then I have another interview with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just continuous. There's no way that Isabel can escape me, but she knows everything that I, you, you know, the, the things that I've actually, um, I've gone through out here and whatnot. But now I know who I am. I know what I want to achieve, but you know what? It took a very long time. So Isabel, for those people who are, you know, it could be in the language realm or people just in general or people that need to hear this or might know someone that needs to hear this outside the language room, whatever it may be. Let's say they have the awareness right now. What are some little things or little, you know, little steps that they can take so that they can ease into it? And, you know, start recreating a self-image if they need to, or maybe just in general, hey, I'm just trying to, I, I want to stop sabotaging myself. I want to start meeting people, or I want to stop saying I suck, I, I'm bad, or this, or that. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Well, um, it's all about brutal honesty with yourself. Uh, Even when you know you're wrong, or when, when there was a situation where you knew that, um, well, they probably were right with what they said, uh, you just didn't want to admit it. Right. It's about brutal honesty with yourself. I just wrote an article um, that's called The Story I Tell Myself. Okay. It was about starting the I See You movement and with what intent I actually created it. It was very self-centered. Um, in the way that if I create an ICU movement, then people feel seen. If people want to feel seen by me, they want to work with me. So I feel seen actually before they feel seen. So it actually serves me more than the actual intent that I humbly set out there, which wasn't actually the real reason how I started. 
and admitting that to myself and saying, hey, I, I actually, a couple of years ago, I started that out for not the right reasons. It was all self-serving is brutal honesty. Putting it out there is brutal honesty. You don't have to put it out there. Don't worry. Nobody needs to have to know all of that. I just do it because it's my work, right? For me, I'm very honest about where I'm at and, and what has happened in the years before that. So there's not really much secrets or many secrets about me in general. But um, what people can do, like I said, brutal honesty with yourself, that means sometimes you have to sit down and you just have to write down, okay, those are the beliefs that I have about myself. What is the actual self-image that I'm trying to live up to? Like, for example, my parents say I need to um, have a job so that I can provide for my family or um, apparently it's common to have two children or I need to have an attracting wife or an attractive husband. And, or you have to have a certain job. Um, all those expectations, you can write them down, just anything that comes to mind, because those are contracts that you have created with yourself that need to be broken. Yes. And I have, um, that's actually a really great coaching exercise that I can share. I have my clients do that every now and then, and the first time is always pretty rough where they have to write down all the contracts that they have with themselves. So for example, when it comes to language, I'm not good enough speaking the language because I can't speak the language. I can't communicate what I want because I can't communicate what I want. People don't understand me. Um, those kind of contracts that you have with yourself that you know leaves you in victimhood. Or if I want to be successful, I have to make a certain amount of money. If I want to um, be accepted, I have to look a certain way. Whatever your stories are that you know are coming up within you that get triggered. Um, you, you know when you get triggered, when you feel judgment, when you feel like you have to justify yourself, even against the internet, if you don't have the actual person in front of you, but if you feel like you have to justify your thoughts now against this person that you just read something about, uh -huh. um, you can tell I've done that too. I speak from experience. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, those are just um, awareness pieces. I'm like, oh, I'm catching myself. I have this judgment going on. What I'm believing about myself, why am I even feeling I have to justify myself right now, even though this person is not talking to me. So write all those contracts down, whatever comes to mind. Once you start, you will get into the groove of it. You will like, oh, money. And money is actually evil. If I have, have too much money, then people will despise me. Those could be contracts that you have subconsciously. So just take a couple areas of your life and see where you have those contracts where you know you're actually stuck in victimhood. You're not actually taking responsibility for where you want to be and what you know you could accomplish. Um, and that looks for everyone different. I'm not saying, I keep saying that so many times, success is not measured by how much money you make because maybe your purpose in this lifetime for your soul to evolve is a measurement of trust. Um, I said it many times, maybe for some of it, it's 30K a month. For others, it could be 30K of money a month. For others, it could be 30K of trust a month, 30K of forgiveness a month. That could be your lesson. Whatever your lesson is, and when you get through this lesson, it's always it always ends with forgiveness toward yourself or someone else, depending on what the lesson is. When you get to the point, you know you are successful because that's just your path. <laughs> nobody determines what the measurement of your success is. It's just that. Right. 
Um, but the contract, what you can do then, even if you write it, you might even want to write it down like on paper because everything that comes um, from the head goes through your arm, through your hand is like a release, a clearing. And then take a look at it. Are those true? Do I really want to believe those thoughts? Sometimes you want to keep and hold on to some of them. That's okay. Maybe you're not quite ready to release all of them at once because that's a big step. Um, But maybe a few and then take them and burn them. Make a ritual out of it saying like here, like make a bonfire right now. It's perfect weather for bonfires here. (laughs) But when you do to set the intention and say, with burning those those contracts that I have subconsciously and consciously put on myself, I'm setting myself free. I can create new contracts. Mm. When you burn them, you can sit down and create new contracts. Mm. Success is what I define as success for myself. Nobody has a say in that. Mm. <coughs> Money doesn't make me necessarily successful or more successful than others. Right. <coughs> Excuse me. That's you okay? I know that's bronchitis. I, I got you. I got you. I just, I just picked that up too. I was like, uh-oh. Like, oh, Isabel, she's going down. She's going down. going <laughs> down, yeah. Not quite. Hopefully not. Just at least for the next five minutes. But yeah, yeah. Um, those, that is a really powerful, especially if you take the time to really sit down and do that. And you can do that a couple times, maybe once a month. You can sit down. Okay, what notice? What do I notice about my contracts that I have now that I actually use as an excuse to stay where I'm at, and that help, don't help me to move forward? And sometimes that might be related to asking for help, uh, because not everything we are even willing to discover ourselves. There's so many things where I needed other people to point things out to me because I just didn't want to see it I chose to not to want to see it Uh. (laughs) and so you need some outside help with that Uh. let me try something yeah you're okay you're okay you're okay oh my god thank you so much that that reminds me of a Jack Canfield exercise that I've seen before and hearing about Lisa Nichols about writing down the lies writing down the things and and being able to just tear it all up and just ask yourself for forgiveness and start a new you. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and we have the ability to do that. But again, I mean, we just, we, we always sabotage ourselves because, you know, hey, well, maybe I can do it this time or, you know, I can't or this. It's, it's always the negative reaffirming language that we always put on right. ourselves. And so... Yeah. Well, when you let go of something, just imagine this, when you let go of something, it's like when I release trapped emotions with clients, right? Which often are related to self-sabotage, especially those stories that we keep telling ourselves. And when we release them, you're releasing energy from your body. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like now there's an empty space that used to be filled with that rather heavy negative or low vibrating energy that um, changed how your physical body was responding to you. Now you're releasing that. Now your body will respond differently. If you do not fill that with a more um, positive, high vibrating energy, you will automatically drag drag that same old energy back in and you will find different events that confirm why this is supposed to be there. So when you burn those contracts and you really say, okay, I'm ready to release those, make sure that you fill those same spaces like in your head, even if it's your thoughts, the energy of thought, the power of your thoughts, right? Um, With what you actually want to believe about yourself. Mm. And fill that. So when you burn and you 
you have it all burned and like I release all this and I just give it all to the universe or whatever you want to do. You can make it a, a more spiritual ritual. You can just do it with a bonfire, whatever it is that feels yeah. comfortable. Yeah. Um, or that feels good to you, not comfortable, but good. <clears throat> and then you sit down with another piece of paper. Here are the contracts that I want to have with myself. Yes. And then you continue reading through them. Because the more you do that, the more your brain is starting to believe you. And the more it believes you, the more it recreates the pathways, the neural pathways that you had created. And so you rewire your brain. Even when we, and I think that's a, a problem with a lot of healers, they release the energy, but they forget that there's still the physical with the, the brain going on that, that relies on those stories to function according yeah. to your ego. Um, <clears throat> so you have to replace that in some ways. Um, that's why when I, when I release trapped emotions with people, I don't do it within one session anymore. They need to be at least two because I need them to understand how to refill that place that we just released with the more positive so that it becomes part of who they are and not just reach back out to the old story because it's comfortable. It's what they've always had available. So that's a really powerful exercise. If you do it all, if you don't forget about the bringing the, the more empowering energy back in. Awesome. Man, Isabel, thank you, thank you. If some people want to know more about these exercises and everything you do in general, could you please tell them how they get in contact with you? And Isabel, of course, will give me all her links so I can put it in the description for you guys because I know you guys will be just so interested in this thing. That's right. Um, well, I'll actually keep it really easy for you because my website is isabelhunt.com, I-S-A-B-L-H-U-N-D-T.com, where you can learn more about the course that I have, um, <clears throat> how to navigate your emotional world, which is a, a great course that really gives you some specific exercises and questions in terms of um, the main emotions that we often are able to identify. Um, and it has really changed lives for most of the people that have gone through it and sent me actually feedback saying it's the one course that I implement every single day because it helps me with how I respond to my children. It helps me how I respond to my spouse. It helps me just to reflect back on myself and taking responsibility for, for what I experience and what that really means for me on a spiritual perspective or from a spiritual perspective. So that course is on my website as well under the course seed right on top so it's pretty easy unless you want to go straight to the website it's theempoweredwarrior.com so that's pretty easy too but all my social media is on my website uh booking me for speaking engagements is on my website there's literally everything from media kit to bio to event intro like you can't there's not really much that you would miss on my website <laughs> so it's i made it easy awesome. and simple <laughs> awesome thank you so so, 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 so much, Isabel. Isabel and I, we were going to try to do a double header, uh, but yeah, not, not enough time, and that would have been crazy. Oh, my God, it would have been her and I just going crazy for like two hours. But nonetheless, man, um, I'm going to be bringing her back on to talk about like different things in the world of English and whatnot. So I just love it because Isabel, just so much in-depth information that could really hit home for a lot of people in terms of not only English language learning, but 
just learning about your true self in general. So guys, I hope you can seriously take something away from this. Isabel, thank you so much for coming on this morning. My morning, your evening. My ring is. You're very welcome. I made your day. Now you're ready to go work out. <laughs> I, I know. I know. I know. I'm like, yeah, come on. Let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> hey, guys, if you like this, please share it. Please like it. Go over there. Ask us about any questions you might have and whatnot. And until yeah. then, man, thanks so much for everyone. And especially big thanks to you, Isabel. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Um, it's always great to continue our conversation. So even if people know she was already on there, it's always different. It's always different conversations. So yeah, it's, it's good. It's really good. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. Isabel has became, uh, a she's become the, the oxygen of my life because she, oh. uh, no, not too much. That's too much. I know your husband. Yeah. Say, what is he talking about? But no, uh, <laughs> but Isabel, man, she, actually knows how to hit home on a lot of things that I'm trying to overcome. And that's why I'm just so grateful that we've been able to link up through Ariane. Oh my God. I the, Was it Ariane? You know, I know you linked me up through Ariane. That was after with, along yeah. with a couple of other people, including Teo and stuff. I but have you know, no idea how we connected. I, I know. Think. I know. I got to think back and now, oh, how did we connect? How do we connect? Ah, Luke, of course. He's like, Arsenio, I met this girl. I met Isabel. Oh my oh, God, I we got to bring you group, right? Yes, I was live in his group. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how we originally met. And then I'm like, oh, she's from Germany. I got to bring her on. And then boom, it was just like a yep. floodgate. So, yeah. So thank you. Thank you so much again, Isabel, man. I hope you have a wonderful evening out there for everyone who has tuned in. Again, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Let me know. And shower us any Q&As if you guys just so happen to have questions for us. So with that being said, have a wonderful morning, afternoon, and evening. I am your host, Arsenio, as usual, over and out.